episode 159 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an interview with Jason Tapatu. Radio team, welcome on to episode 159 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Today I'm very excited, A few, I think on the last episode I talked in the introduction about Jason Tapatu and how I'd just done a bit of a workshop for him on the weekend, and uh, how I was hoping to get him on the show, and the good news is he is on the show today. Uh, you're going to enjoy this interview, he's very amazing story, very honest man, doing some very, very important work in his community and in New Zealand as an overall, uh, and I think it's going to be a man you may hear a lot more of in the future because just his work is so powerful. Now, i got to admit, I'm, I'm on holiday right now, I'm in Bali, so I'm actually doing this a couple of weeks before you're hearing it, so I'm going to keep the intro pretty short today because I've got a lot on my plate uh, that I need to get done beforehand, so I just want to say a quick thank you to the patrons of the show, and today I have got a new patron, Adam, now he does, I think he may be a patron on my other show as well, Adam, we call him Flipper Philby, but because he is now a patron of the Bevan James Isle show, I, I got him a new nickname, and I actually met Adam last year when we were in Germany, where he came over and did one of the camps that we were doing, and um, just a really nice man, I mean, he was telling me some life stories, and um, I just got the real sense that Adam was a man who was really caring, and had a lot of heart, and um, just just a good man, you know, and so when I, I first thought of his nickname, I thought Kia Bear, and I thought, you can't call him Kia Bear, and then I remember that in the Kia Bears, there was Lionheart, I'm pretty sure Kia Bear was Lionheart, so Adam Lionheart Philby, there you go, uh, let's name a few of the other patrons who are already patrons of the show, these include Michael Knoll, The Hammer, we've got Renee, The Hawk Whores, we've got Michael Hardcore O'Kane, we've got Samuel Mysterious Man, Melino Weaver, and we've got Donald The Explorer James, these are all people who are supporting this show, if you want to support the Bevan James Isles show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com, uh, you give a little bit of your hard-earned money my way, and each time I release a show, you basically just donate how much you want to contribute to the show. Really helps me get the show out there. Helps me spread the word. So thank you to the people people who already are patrons. So getting into the main gist of the show right now. Here is an interview with a pretty inspirational character. He is someone who started in the fitness industry a long time ago. Has done the pathway like me with Liz Mills. Has gone on. Has, has had a performing career. He's been a performer in some of the biggest Broadway shows around the world. A lead performer. Can sing, dance. But you're going to see in this interview, there's so much more to Jason than just singing and dancing. He's a very, very special man. Here is my interview with Jason Tapatu. Right, our team, I'm pretty excited to have a, a man that I've known in the industry for a very long time. Um, our paths have gone in different directions, but he's been doing some some really powerful work in, in many areas in, in his community and, and not just his community, also around New Zealand in general. And I imagine maybe we'll go global with it eventually. Um, and I've already done an introduction about him before we've pushed record. So hello, Jason. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good, mate. So so maybe let's just start. Tell us a bit about your history kind of going right back to the start of your career. Yeah, sure. 
Uh, I've been teaching in the health and well-being industry. I just blimmin' hell worked this out the other day, 27 years. Wow. Uh, and I kind of fell into it because uh, I went to an all-boys school and we used to go to this <laughs> this gym that did – back in those days, bro, it was jazz size. I think you might be around that age just to remember that. Yep. And uh, the jazz size teacher didn't turn up. Oh, really? And it was, yeah, and our first 15, I was in the first 15, uh, used to go for what really was a, a circuit – Yep. Let's call it that to music. And uh, the bros were like, oh, she hasn't turned up. You're a good dancer, man. Do you just want to put on a tape <laughs> and, and, and take us? I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose. So I, I did, and, and then that kind of burgeoned into a career, I suppose, just from that day. I, I really loved that transformative aspect of getting people to move their bodies and love music and I was was and am and still teach dance so uh, I love to move and I and I saw how much joy it gave people mm. so that was that was kind of the start of it way back in Whanganui at the old fire station and then uh, I came down to Wellington I started a law degree the year later and uh, I long story short dropped out of law because Liz Mills asked me to go and be on some videos of Tracy Minnick and a lady called Deirdre Lee who started Step back in the 90s. Wow. <laughs> That's how old I am. And uh, and then that just, everything started from there and my career with Les Mills and teaching aerobics uh, started from there. And then I met you probably early 2000s well, actually, maybe? There's, there's an interesting discussion I have here because I met you because you'd started a little bit before me. So I started late 90s, like 99. And so yeah. you, you had already been established. And, and I actually had heard of you um, and you'd kind of moved away from at least Les Mills for a period of time. And then I know when you came back, you were quite overweight. And yeah. can you talk a bit about that? Because it's, you know, a lot of people in our industry have been fit their whole lives. And they're really good at giving advice, but they haven't really been on the other side of it. And so what was it like for you? You know, you've been this really successful fitness professional, had a really successful career. You're great at your skill. To move, What happened in that period to A, put on weight, and then what was the journey back? Well, I missed out a piece in that uh, the Les Mills journey, which I am so grateful for. Truly, I must say this now because it – offered me all of these tools, and I know you've got many and you're very skilled and talented yourself, tools that I put into my toolkit. Now, throughout my Les Mills career, I was also a performer, so I took off and I started performing. I, I, and when you say uh, performance, you mean like dancing, singing? And, dancing, yeah. singing, and a little bit of acting, some TV presenting work, all that kind of stuff, kind of in that world. Yep. So uh, it took me away from the gym, and I kind of – I remember this is – when I left, it was kind of late 90s, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. Just before the two, um, year 2000, and I uh, I just remember I'd started doing international travel and it not really fulfilling me anymore and that, and that I wasn't plugged in really truly to our community here in Aotearoa. It was more around giving out to somewhere where I don't really have a vested interest in. Yeah. So I, I, I took... I stepped away from the gym completely so much so because I'd saturated myself with Les Mills and you know how high mm. intense <laughs> intensity it is when you're in that world and doing DVDs and choreographing and sticking to deadlines. I mean, that's just like corporate life really, but 
when it's physical too, it takes a lot out of you. And I just had a, like, oh, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. So I stepped away from the gym and exercising altogether. Now, what came from there was a really interesting time is at first I – I would say I, I suffered mentally because my identity of who I was had gone. Yeah. My, I was no longer the poster boy back then for for a fitness industry. I wasn't uh, sponsored by Nike or uh, back in those days to Adidas and and uh, and, and and who was I? Mm. So that 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 lasted for about six months and I was pretty low and I lost some friends from it because I put on weight and I was like, oh, they must have liked me because I was pretty. Oh, really? Yeah, really. And to this day, these people won't talk to me because it just got awkward and you can't repair it. I remember one guy wanting to talk to me when I'd lost weight and was back fit and he goes, oh my God, you look amazing. I'm so interested in that because in the work that I'm doing right now, it's less about obviously how you look mm. and I'm truly about how you feel like mm. how do you feel mm. so even now in Lise Mills and when I came down to Christchurch and I know this is cool people like Cam for example said to me oh you look good bro yeah. I said to him bro I feel good because mm. you know I've you and I both know some people who look amazing mm. but perhaps aren't well in their heart or well in their head mm. and so how can we kind of shift that paradigm and start looking at people, not at their physical appearance, but how they're being. Like I look at people in the eyes, and I and I can tell straight away are you, whether they're good or not. Well, can you can you ask me or can you share with me what was it like to be rejected because of your physical form? I mean, that was a big uh, hit to the ego at first. Okay. Like those first six months was like, oh, far out. People, is that? how shallow this industry is that it's based on how I look and not what kind of person I am. Mm. Like I, I, my work that I do personally on myself is around being the best person I can be. So I can be an awesome example for my nephews and my nieces, which we'll probably get to. And, uh, and well, anyone and everyone that I come into contact with, and it has nothing to do with how I look. Uh, Yeah, I was a bit bummed out, but then I started doing quite deep work, um, started reading lots of books. Oh, that's right. Along the way, I got into a show after that six months, and I put on weight, and I was like, oh, shivers, I got into the show, and I got into it for um, not how I I looked, Mm, but for my skill as a singer and as a mover, and um, I actually ended up uh, uh, ripping my Achilles. And yeah, I know, full on. And I was in a cast for 12 weeks. Back in the day, it was no moon boot. It was in a full cast. And it really sat me down and made me, let's just say, look at myself and look at where my life was heading, where I'd come from, and perhaps how I need to take better care of myself because I was pretty exhausted by, by then emotionally and physically. And it started my journey into yoga. And, uh, and this is 15 years ago now. Uh, because the physiotherapist said to me, mate, you should do yoga. This Your Achilles will be able to stretch with down dog and stuff. And you start to – it's low impact. And it's just a gentle, nice way to move your body. And I, I've been physical my whole life. I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's time, Jace. Let's, let's start the train moving again and drop some weight and get fit and feel better in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I got was actually <clears> – <throat> A kick in the pants and a real wake-up corner, another beautiful way. I call 
points in your life that seem shit at the time, <clears throat> pivot points, they, uh, to me, offer you an opportunity perhaps to choose a different path. Oprah says it really well. She says that, you know, mistakes or stuff that happens that is off track is really just going, hey, hey, hey there, wake up, man. You're going the wrong way. Let's get back on track. And so that Achilles uh, injury was a, a pivot point for me because it, it really um, shone a light on how I need to take better care of myself. So yoga started and I went to it for the physical. I started at Les Mills because I, I got a membership and went back to Les Mills in Auckland with a lady called Mandy White. Oh, yeah, I don't right, know. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, taught Ashtanga. And because my whole life has been about I was next to this old lady and I was competing against her because <laughs> I'm flexible and strong. And I was like huffing, puffing my way through this, watching this lady next to me. Like she would have been about 65, like so poised and so graceful, not even freaking paying attention to me. And here I am doing it for all the physical <laughs> reasons, like trying to stretch my body, trying to, oh. and then um, Mandy just walked past. And this was really humbling. And she put her hand on, on my shoulder and said, and sometimes you just don't need to try so hard. Oh, really? And I dropped down into child's pose and I was like, mate, what are you up to? Wow. And it really, it literally brought me to my knees. I can tell you, I can even feel it now, how it felt in my body. It was like, what is all this for, Jace? What is all this for? And then I realized that, I mean, this is a big call, but I share this a lot when I speak, but I, that my, most of my life had been done and been lived for others, meaning dad left when I was young. Don't need to know the story, but I, my whole life had been based around proving my worth okay. to him. Okay. Yeah. And so trying to succeed and do um, excellent in everything that I did so that I could almost prove my, that I'm good yeah. to my dad. Yeah. When really, truly, when you drilled right down to it, it was really, at that moment, I realized I'm actually not trying to prove myself to my dad. I'm trying to prove myself to myself Okay. Yeah. and how I fit in the world and where I fit. And that came about because um, my identity of being in the gym and, and this fitness guy had now gone. And so it's almost like it was a clean slate to just be. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's a pretty powerful moment. What shifted? My perspective on, well, how I would how I would describe myself up until that moment is attack, okay, but and 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 attack and prove, yeah, okay. And in fact, if you told me, and I remember these two moments at school where someone said, "Oh, you can't do that," and I did everything I could to prove them wrong to the extent of becoming New Zealand champion in it. <laughs> Do you know? So, yeah. I, so I mean, that's, that's freaking full on. Yeah. Like, what, what were you up to? And so in that moment in child's pose, it was like, it's, I mean, that's a great gift. It's now become, I see it as a gift. I, I know that if it comes down to the wire and I, I'm a hard worker, and if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. Mm. I'll keep to my word. Yeah, so you've still got that trait inside you. For sure, For but it's right not absolutely, yeah. and so it comes down to intention. Is like I can use it when it's intentional and for greater good. Yeah, 
and uh, and, and it's what, become and, a, and what's directing it's the right thing. It's it's not yes. the chasing of the wrong thing. You got it. Yeah. You got it. And so uh, that what shifted is my a softer approach to life. Yoga definitely has helped me soften in my. I would say I've always had a big heart, I think, but I just more more willing to share with others and share all my gifts and share all my talents with others. Like teaching in the beginning, I would have to say was a bit about me. Mm. No, I won't lie, a lot about me. Mm. Going, I can do this cool thing. Do you guys want to do it too? I can teach you how to do it. Whereas really, truly now, I feel like it's, I call it sharing because I'm I I want to offer because I I've I, I've lived what it is and I try to practice what I preach I try to be an example of what it is that I'm sharing because I've lived it yeah I feel there's a difference between knowledge you know some stuff like I'm, I I might have known some stuff about how to teach aerobics but then wisdom is when you live it and you experience it and you share from that place. Mm. There's a potency and a power that comes from, like I, I know when I go to your, if I was to go to class, it's been a while, that I know that, you know, you are a living, talking, breathing example of the thing that you are offering and asking us to do. Mm. And I know that also you wouldn't ask us to do us something if you haven't done it yourself. Mm. There's authenticity and power in that. There's wisdom that comes, that seeps out of your pores. Do you know? Yeah, totally. And, and, uh, and, um, so I would just say it was a softer approach to life and and um, my gaze became wider. I call it the or Marcus Aubrey calls it um Aubrey Marcus calls it um the wide peripheral gaze where you go from just seeing what's right there in front of you or even I call it just your own world and you look up and you look out and you see that there's all these people there in front of you. And so now I see the world with a wider gaze and I'm able to therefore to offer wider to more people from a more authentic place. But that's because I've done the work on myself. Yeah. What's that moment? So, so you have this massive epiphany, which has opened you up in quite a powerful way. Can you talk about kind of how your life changed after that moment? Because, um, in some ways, I'm sure it's, 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 an, it's obviously an amazing place, but I'm sure there's some challenges that came with it as well. Cause, oh, my you know, God. Yeah, so talk to us about how your life changed once you had that epiphany. Well, I talked about the, my friends, losing some friends. Okay. It was like, um, oh, you become a hippie now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, bro. I'm still the same Māori fellow who likes to have a laugh. And Well, I just yoga, yoga, I went to it for the physical, and it actually spoke to my heart. And it spoke to wellness in my head because I hadn't been well through that time of being a big guy. Yeah. And so I started uh, doing yoga and throwing myself into like 28-day courses and reading heaps of books, bro. I, I, uh, here's, a, here's a way that my kind of A-type personality was in play, but in a, I, I feel, a more helpful way is that I read 14 self-help books while I was in a cast. <laughs> 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 well, after I did my Achilles, yeah, and, and it really—that's um, what I mean—offered me this opportunity to open my eyes and see the world in a different way, not just in my own personal, almost selfish ego type way. It was like, oh man, there's more going on here. 
I need to take, take better care of my emotions. Like I really understand the trauma that dad leaving at a young age had on me and my brother. Mm. I was able to heal, like really deeply heal from that and do the work and reconnect with him. Like he lives around the corner from where I am now wow. and we see each other every one, once or tw- you know, two weeks. And I have a beautiful relationship with him now. I'd never met my mum. Wow. I met my mum four years ago and she was actually the reason why I wanted to come home so I could have more connection with my family before it's too late. Mm. I did not want to be uh, buried and have never healed the relationship with my dad and met and healed the relationship with my mother. Mm. You know, how sad would that have been? Do you know what's really interesting? Because um, I, 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 I knew you, you know, we haven't seen a lot of each other in the, in the previous period, but, yeah. you know, I knew you kind of when you were in that stage. I knew when you just got back into the Les Mills stuff. I think we went to Portugal together. So, you know, I knew you were in that stage. And then one day I saw you at the gym in Wellington where you're just having a stretch in the weights room. We had a bit of a catch up. And it must have been after this moment because I remember walking away from that going, oh, Jason shifted. You know, like it was really, it was, there was a, and even it was interesting, my wife met you for the first time last week and she goes, what a lovely presence this guy has. Um, and even, and like, oh. as a guy who knew you before, your shift and after and I just remember having that conversation um and that wait I remember just I literally remember just thinking oh Jason shifted and yeah it's fascinating how even just the energy of you you know to the world had shifted as well and even for people who knew you you know it's quite an interesting thing thank you brother I, I um well that makes me emotional what's yeah. I uh what you know I I have uh, chipped away at myself since that child pose moment I call it a real pivot moment because mm. I know I'm a different person to what I I actually look back and go I, I, I put hands on my heart and I feel oh, man you didn't love yourself bro wow. you know and, the, and, and, and and truly that weight the weight that I was carrying around was a manifestation of that mm. and so as I've started to do the work of myself and love myself I've not not done anything uh what's the word um uh, extreme to to get the weight off. In fact, I've been like this for the last probably six or seven years because it's just it's. I'm happier in my heart. Yeah. I, I love myself, and I've done the work previous to that to get to a place where it's it's in yoga we call it san, santosha or con, contentment, where you want for nothing more because you have everything you have. In fact, you realize you had it all anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another way to say that is that you're enough without it sounding too woo-woo. But, um, yeah, I mean, I constantly work on myself. And the way that I do it is that um, I I do want to mention that I fell in love with with yoga so much because my friends were like, why yoga, bro? Like that seems – well, to me it seems like a natural progression because most dancers after they finish their career move on into something like yoga or Pilates. And – I really fell in love with it because all of the teachings, as I got deeper and deeper and did my teach training and read philosophy and uh, all of the ancient texts, I realized that what they were saying is exactly what my grandparents were talking to me about in the world of Māori. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? I've been, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and it's kind of a little bit off topic, but kind of amazing. 
if we're going to talk about cultures struggling in New Zealand, Māori culture, there's a big aspect of Māori culture that really struggles in New Zealand. Um, you know, if we look at the, the jail rates and health rates and stuff like this, there's, there's big problems. Suicide. Yeah, totally. And and, and I, I don't know much about Māori philosophy, but I've read a couple of books recently and you, and you just read and you think, geez, you know, look, 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 we think of like the Dalai Lama, you mm. know, in the Eastern kind of culture and, and the impact he has around reading a philosophy and how lots of people in Western society really connect to that, that kind of message um, and, uh, you know, the power of that. And then, and, and I've got to be honest, I really know, you know, of all Māori culture, I probably know 1%, but I have to admit in the last period of my life, I've, I've kind of learned a little bit more. And, and I just think to myself, why, why isn't Māori being taught more as a, the lessons of their culture? Because it's, it's all great. Like, why isn't there a Dalai Lama of Māori who's teaching yeah. it not just to the Māori culture but to the world? Because you know, even hearing you, I, I, Jason, I heard Jason talk last weekend, and, and you use a lot of Māori stuff in your in your kind of speak talks. But the philosophies they spread are so core to just good humanity, and and you know, you're talking about there is that what you did is you went back to your culture, and, and you're aligned with your culture, and and I, and I see some of the problems of Māori in society. It's like why aren't why aren't we just pushing Māori forward, not just to to the Māori people who are struggling and just let them be what they are. But also, this is good stuff for all of us. You know, like I don't understand why isn't a message out there more. I hear you. Well, uh, I got called a pioneer the other day because uh, no one is doing that. You're right. And um, well, some people are, but in different ways. But not like a Dalai Lama, is it? It's not like, you know, people in America know that Māori culture and and the, the, the philosophies behind them, if you get what I mean. No, yeah, 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 you're right. Well, I mean, we, there's people doing it in their own little pockets of society in their own different ways. And how I'm doing it is at my yoga studio teaching the philosophies of yoga th- through the lens of Māori. Yeah, nice. they, they line up beautifully. And if I could just make it really simple, for the model of hauora, for example, in, in Māori is the model of well-being. It's four-walled. Four uh, it's a focus on your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your wairua or your heart or your emotional well-being is another way to say that. And then when those three things are in place, then and only then can you have a true and really authentic connection with others. Okay. So another way to say that simply is if you focus on you, get you good, then what you have to do will also be good. Also, your connections with others will be good. And I think that's so beautiful. It's such a simple... Uh, concept and it's actually what yoga says as well Mm. do the physical work so that you can calm the fluctuations of your mind which in turn will open your heart which in turn will open your heart enough to connect wider and better and deeper with other people Mm. not only other people but the environment and if you want to go a step further the the what you, you might call it higher power or source or love i call it love or your ancestors uh, and it's freaking simple and beautiful, mm. if you ask me. When, um, you, when you say you've done self-work on yourself, practically what does that mean? Oh, cool. So I'll talk, walk, talk you through a morning, um, and I've been doing this for the last seven years, is I just, before I got on the line with you, uh, I do f- something for my whole order every day. So in the morning my wake-up is, uh, I come and sit, I'm sitting on my meditation chair in my meditation room. I've set it up so that's pretty chilled. And I meditate for 10, sometimes 15 minutes. And then I do have a gratitude practice. So um, 
the things that I'm grateful for in my life that are new from yesterday. Uh, I have a book which is uh, daily 366 days of um, of phrases that uh, are based on Buddhism teachings. Buddhism teachings is very similar to Maori too, yeah. very simple, simple, yeah. simple. So I read that passage for that day. Today was being about about being a good child and with respect. So that's cool. I can take that into my day. So that's that's the thing for my mind. I'm uh, going to go and do a hit session just for me at the gym, and then go do some yoga. Yeah. So that's for my so that's for my body. Also, I have a cold shower every morning, so that wakes up my body and gets me ready for the day. Yeah. Uh, my wairua today, I am um, something for my heart. I'm booking a holiday to Rarotonga. Nice. Because I've just been asked to speak at TED Talk here in Wellington, oh, and uh, and I'll need a holiday after that. <laughs> and and then connect. I'm gonna uh, ring my mum and tell her I love her, and then organise dinner um, this weekend. Do, do you know what's really interesting is that a lot of people will listen to that. Like like I do a bit of public speaking, and sometimes what you get with public speaking is people will go, "Oh, but you don't have my life." You know, you know, like I, like I, like I remember lots of people come up to me and say, hey, "Have you been a dad?" And, and I have been, and often, yes. you know, like well, um, and so people will listen to that and they'll say, "Well, you get to do that, Jason, but I don't." So what's your what's your what's your point? What's your kind of what would you say to that person? Retort. Oh well, uh, I I just say make it a must. Yeah, and I come back to that point of if you're not good, man. I have conversations at, with the ladies at my yoga studio and say, oh, I've got to cancel my um, yoga membership because my family comes first. I get that. Mm. I get that. I, I fully understand family comes first. But what about if it's at the cost, and I'll talk about this in a second, if it's at the cost of you, your health, mm. without your health, without your well-being, and I've been at the other end of the health and well-being uh, spectrum to know and understand this, the cost of your health means that they're only going to get 30%. Your family's only going to get 30% of you. But if you worked and filled your cup and did something, like these things that I, I just did and told you about, mm. all up, they probably take about half an hour. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I have a two-minute, three-minute cold shower that's nothing. I'm going to have that anyway if it was warm. The, the, the sitting down before I start the day, it's I make it a must. And out of seven years of not medi- of meditating, I've only done it not done it three times. And I remember those days because they were shit days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and um, make, yeah, I just make it a must. And so when I when people say to me, oh, I'm canceling my membership, I say to them, I reckon you need it more. Yeah, if your life is so busy, I reckon you need it more. Oh, because then I say, "How do you feel after yoga?" I feel amazing, and so you're gonna you're gonna cut out the thing that makes you feel amazing, so that you can go and be with your family. Well, you're gonna go and be with your family, and maybe not feel amazing two, three times a week. Mm. How's that gonna go? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my partner and I'll talk about my brother in a second, but my partner says like whenever I. If, if things are getting stressful and a lot of work's coming up and I'm, I'm I call it full. I, I hate the word busy yeah. when I'm full. Uh, he goes, you need to go and do yoga. <laughs> yeah. You need to get out. We've got a deck. He goes, get your mat out and go. He tells me go and do yoga. Yeah. Cause he knows that's the thing that just plugs me back in mm-hmm. and makes me in Māori. We call it toe. Uh, I want to speak about my bro, uh, because, uh, talking about the cost and how I've become a huge advocate for high water and taking care of your well-being. Yeah. 
as my bro lost his life last year. Oh, no. And he left eight kids, eight kids. Wow. He's actually got two others that he helped bring up, so ten. Wow. And he's that example of put the kids first. I'm the most beautiful man and the most uh, selfless guy, but it was uh, it cost him his life. What, if I was to go back a step and say him and I had the same upbringing, I talked about my dad before and I was able to do some healing with dad, but he didn't. And so what happens is with us men, we don't express our shit, eh? And so, and even though he, I know, he knows I work in the mental health, uh, uh, I'm a, a youth line ambassador and I have lots of access to people, help to help people. I reached out and I tried to help him and he was getting some help, but it was too late by that stage. And so his, um, his body was a man of his big, he was huge, was a manifestation of the state of his mind or all, all a bit fricked up because he hadn't dealt with the emotional trauma that that had happened when dad left. Yeah. Um, and, so buried his efforts in taking care of his kids and not himself. He came last, as another uh, say it. Yeah. Really really literally he came last and, and therefore Yeah, lost his life. And um if that's not an example of how we need to take care of ourselves first. Yeah. And and it is not actually serving the people you love to not look after yourself. Because now these kids are left yeah fatherless not dealing with it very well yeah and oh my heart breaks every time i go around there and i don't know what to say yeah because i can't bring their dad back and it's it's you know it's almost a year now and they're still suffering and probably will for many years and the younger ones especially don't really understand what's really happening. They just think that he's asleep and they go, it's time to wake up when we go and visit him. Wow. Far out, man. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's really interesting because it kind of leads us quite nicely on to the work you're doing now because, um, you know, look, to this point in the conversation, we've talked talk about your journey, how you've moved forward through this kind of place and got to where you are. But what's really, you know, like, to me, I, I love the. I'm always interested in what's your body of work. You know, because I think there's a lot of people out there who give advice nowadays, but if you kind of dig a little bit deeper, they're not, where's their body of work? Where's the evidence to, to prove they've really helped people? And I think it's quite easy to get a microphone nowadays, but it's, you know, it, where's your body of work? And what I love about you, Jace, is that you have this amazing body of work of showing how you've helped people move to healthier places. Um, and that's in your yoga studio, and, and also we haven't really talked about what you're doing with kids. Um, do you want to share a bit, a bit about that and what you've learned about how to help people progress? Yeah. What I heard you say, sorry, so I get the questions right, yeah. is uh, uh, speak about um, how I like to help people. Yeah, and what you've learned about what helps people. Because, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, again, your body of work shows that you have an amazing ability to do something that helps people move in the right direction in a healthy way for them. And I know your yoga, we've talked a lot about your yoga and, and yeah. you haven't really touched on the mindful stuff you're doing no. for kids. No. Um, so it's, it's, what have you learned? What are you doing? And what, what do you feel is the keys to actually help people move forward? 
Can I ask, ask uh, answer that first, that second question yep. first? Yeah, go. Um, how do I feel I help people make an impact? Mm. Uh, it's being, it's standing up and speaking my story, first of all. Because yeah. I feel within the things that we've talked about, there's something that it, someone will resonate with yeah. in, in order to kind of have engagement and keep listening and go, oh, what's this guy got to say now? Mm. Uh, and then the second thing is, and this is huge, and this is why I feel like I, I want to be an advocate for high water and well-being, is to be an example is to really truly walk the talk and not just be pay lip service to something that I learned. That's what I was going on about that wisdom thing. Is I yeah. I want to be I want to be the example of the thing that I am asking people to do. For example, I'm teaching mindfulness to children. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, and I can't be seen beeping my horn, losing it when I'm teaching kids to these tools to be able to deal with that very thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's a practice. It's a daily practice. And 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 I'm probably the least good at it with my partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And very, as soon as I leave the door, I'm, 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 yeah, I try to be mindful. And frick it, I'm not perfect. No. Last week I crashed the car in Christchurch. I don't know if I told you this. <laughs> On my way to teach mindfulness, and it was my fault. <laughs> so, I, I fully own it. Yeah. I, I own it. I, I was like, I'm so sorry, brother, the guy that I um, crashed into. And luckily, he knew my uncle. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> oh, are you Adrian Tepatu's um, nephew? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, you know, he was all good about <laughs> that's it. funny. Far out. I was, I was like, that's not, that's so not mindful, Jace. But I'm not perfect. No. And that's the point is I keep practicing. You asked me about what I'm doing now. Yes, I have my yoga studio. And uh, uh, going back to my brother's kids, yeah. now they were suffering anyway before he passed away because they were in and out of a um, broken marriage, back and forth, sharing custody with the mum and dad. Yeah. And uh, so we're, we're, I, life wasn't, wasn't ideal anyway. And um, two years ago, I asked my niece, then seven, how are you, bub? Are you okay? She was like, oh, no, nah, uncle, not good. Um, how do you, to me, knowing that I teach yoga and seeing me, her words, being calm, how do you stay calm, uncle? You're always really calm and chilled. And I was like, oh, that's nice, bub. Like, so I taught her these breathing techniques that I use on my mindfulness um, program. The second thing that, because then I started uh, doing research into it. I've got a, a psychology professor doing research on my program at the moment and the okay. effects that it has. Yeah. So I know lo lots of people are, uh, are science-based and want yep. the evidence that it's not just a, a, a guy who's got a nice idea to do some cool things for kids. Yep. Uh, and the evidence, as I started doing research, shows that since uh, 2006, the use of anxiety and depression medicine for children has increased by 80 percent wow. which floored me yeah. and I and I was like well I have some tools that I teach adults that I reckon would be super helpful because what about if we could help our kids at a young age yeah 
So they're learning it on the daily and practicing it and getting better at it so that when they get to teenage years or even just intermediate years and bullying starts or social media stuff starts to fill their head, that they have better tools to be able to deal with that stuff so that they don't become a suicide statistic as a young adult or for men add to the uh, the statistics of male suicide either. Or even like you know? domestic violence. Like that's the yeah, biggest problem in yeah. society, isn't it? Domestic violence. And it's partly because people don't have healthy ways to deal with stress. To lose, they just lose it. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. like a match. And so I, uh, yeah, I've created this program based on that and knowing that our children need it, A, and B, that I have a skill set that can help. I'm a big kid. I've taught dance throughout New Zealand in schools, heaps, and I love kids. I, oh, Bev, I said to you the other day, it's like my most, it's like what I feel I've been put here to do. And I, uh, I fucking always start crying because it's like, it's, I see the power of the work when I'm teaching these kids. And a, example a bully and a bully for example who did my program out in the hut his teacher said that he's now become the sheriff of the bullies wow and helping because of maybe what well, her words were because he's been doing m3 and he's got he realizes now that instead of losing his shit or punching the wall whenever he gets angry or punching someone else that he can take a moment and breathe, pause, so that he can make an informed decision about what the next step is going to be because yeah. then it could be consequential for him and everyone else involved. Mm. I mean, that is an example of that uh, that uh, domestic violence potentially that he could oh, end of up. Of course, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the work you're doing is so important because it's like, what a great foundation for life, you know. And, and you know, as you say, think of the two pathways that could can go down, you know. And if you can give them a great tool of, when I'm feeling this way, here's a here's a good way for me to deal with it. Because the thing about this with me as well is, we all have struggles. You know, mm. to struggle as human, um, mm. and if we deal with it in a bad way, it makes our life worse. Mm. Whereas if we deal with it in the right way, we actually there's there's this alignment that happens with us. We feel good about ourselves because it's like, okay, well, I had this place, but I, like that kid, I'm sure when he's now he learns not to hit somebody and he's, okay, I can protect other people, that's a great identity to have. It is. You know, and, and so. So that, now, yeah. now these kids respect him. Yeah. These kids, these kids look up to him because he's, he's huge. He's yeah. big, he's the biggest kid in the school. And what, how I said is that, but he was using that physical prowess and power for, not so good and now he's using it for good mm. and the consequences he sees is that he's got more friends he's got people that respect him his teachers speak nicely to him and not yeah. reprimand what a, what a different life in front of the others and put him in the corner and tell him he's done right a different pathway altogether oh. that that he's traveling down now and i just my hope is that that like anything is that with practice that continues and he, he, cause mindfulness is like a muscle and it's, it's, it's unworked at a child's age. Yeah. And then if you just make it stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and more um, healthier, 
then these guys will know it. It'll be muscle memory then mm. when they get to older age and your muscle will go, oh, here's that feeling. I've got butterflies in my stomach. My heart's pumping. I've got hair standing up on the back of my, e- back of my um, neck. But what's that thing? Oh, yeah, body kicks in and goes, yeah. nervous system goes, nah, man, calm down. You don't need to go to a 10. Calm down, do the opposite. Yeah. Well, you actually said a great example of that from your own life where you said, I've meditated for seven years. The three days I didn't, I knew they were shit days. So you've learned it's more valuable to do this than not do this. And, yeah. and, and that's what these kids will learn is that it's more valuable for me to actually use a powerful tool that gets me to a healthier place than to mm. actually damage my life by responding in the wrong way. You got it, man. Yeah. And you know, if I can have, I, if I, I can be a part of creating that here, that system in New Zealand, hopefully fingers crossed eventually into the curriculum, then, yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that, that would be a beautiful thing to be a part of. <laughs> well, you know, when you think about it, and just even just this kid individually, you know, one of the things the Māori culture does really well, at least from the outside, because I'm not really involved, but is that kind of sense of whānau, a sense of family. And, and so many people are isolated nowadays. You know, we might have people in our life, but we're actually isolated. And one of the, you know, one of the things you said that really helps you help others is this kind of the unsheeting of me, that I show my world me, and it's because I'm kind of happy with myself now, so I don't have to hide the fact. Um, and so what I get, because I'm willing to offer that to the world, is I get real connection. Yes, you got it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I have real connection, then what happens is people allow themselves to be themselves with me. You know, and so this kid who was probably feeling quite alone, probably feeling quite isolated, through the use of a great mindfulness tool, has actually having real human connections now, and you know, kind of learning some really cool things about life, about that kind of fun, kind of that connection of people, isn't it? It's that's it, bro. You got it. Yeah. And you know, my M three mindfulness program is based on that hawara. Everything I do in my life is based on hawara. Our uh, our company values for Afi, our yoga studio, are based on hawara. Mm. We've got a program coming up. It's a thirty day to wellness program where you do yoga, and but it's based on hawara. The four yeah. walls. One week is body. One week is mind. One week's heart. The others. And then we finish with connection because yeah. you've done the work on yourself. Love what you said about the shedding of yourself. Mm. I see if uh, if children are able to see a little bit of hope in my eyes that exists within them as well. Yeah. Then, I mean that's that that's my job done really. Yeah. I want and I can only be that and be a powerful example of that if I'm an example of the thing <laughs> mm. and. I'm a practitioner of the thing as well. Yeah. So I am so – my partner's like, you're really good at it, aren't you? You're really good at taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't see it as selfish. No, I don't see no. it as and – it's, and it's actually – it's none, no one else's business. I do it in my own time. So I'm not affecting others. It's not at the cost of – not spending time with my family or not spending time. It's like I said, it's only half an hour of my day and I do sometimes just sprinkle it out over the day and then I'm good. Mm. It's like plugging down and in to, I call it source love so that I am connected. When I'm connected, you got it. You said it before, then I'm connected to everyone else. Yeah. And and then we don't feel alone. We feel, 
there's just so much good that comes from that place, isn't there? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know like, you know, yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon because I have to be done in 10 minutes. But one thing you took the other day, which, and I talked about this like, in my last show, I just introduced this. The, the, the meaning of, of love or araha in, in Māori, um, I just, I, I never knew that. And I was yeah. like, oh, how cool is that? So can you just describe what that means so the audience can kind of learn about it? Yeah, man. Well, most people think aroha is uh, love, which yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's, let's just call that, that's the result of what broken down aroha is. Like aro, the, if you were to break it down into aro and ha, Aro means to be in the face of or to to be in the presence of. You can go a step further and deeper to be in the divine presence of. And then ha is onomatopoeic, I feel. It's just exactly as it sounds. It's breath. It's Māori word for breath. Mm. Um, Share, where we share breath. So aroha actually means to be in the presence of breath. Yeah. And so when I sit, I got you guys to do an exercise the other day where you sat opposite each other. And once you shared you, yeah. got got over the, oh, I'm uncomfortable looking at in someone else's eyes and you dropped it, everything and you allowed someone to see you, probably what happens is that you mirror each other's breath. Mm. You start breathing in sync with each other without even knowing it maybe or maybe consciously, who knows. But when, when that's existing, when you're breathing and in the presence of breath of another, there's love. Yeah. <laughs> that, the result of that is love. There's love there and it has nothing to do with what you look like, where you've come from, where you're going to, or, or what skin color you have, what sexuality you have. You know, it has nothing to do with it. It's, it's formless, but it's so powerfully felt. Yeah, it's pretty great. Hey, just just lastly, because because this is quite an international audience on here. So you've got Amazing. you know you've got your um, yoga studio, and and the program for schools is called M three. Right. So yes, M three M three Mindfulness for Children. Okay. And and how many schools is it in? Uh, at the moment, we are almost a hundred hundred schools throughout New Zealand. And ultimately, the aim is to be in every school. Yeah, well, I only started it on March. In oh, March. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're doing, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, so, if you are in New Zealand and you want to get this in a school, they would go where? To the M3 Mindfulness for Children website. Okay, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But this is quite an international audience. So, for those people who, at this moment, now who knows, maybe in five years from now, this will be a bit global thing. But. Yes. Um, where can they go for their kids? And what are some books you'd recommend to, for some tools? Or, you know, what would you say to the audience who maybe wouldn't have access to what you offer in New Zealand right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just say start with, if I could give three really simple exercises yeah, for mindfulness. Um, it, it is the work that I know that I do. It, it's got to be continued in the house and when I leave, do you know? Yeah. So that uh, the teachers have been an example. I've just created PD sessions so that I can train the teachers in M3 Mindfulness. So they are being the example too. Because yeah. there's no use me or those, them watching a session with me and then the teacher comes out and he's super, she's super unmindful and yelling at the kids. Yeah. You know? So, um, and and then the work's also continued at home. So things like being mindful, a practice is, I say, bring back dinner. Bring back, come sit at the table, let's all have dinner together. 
So dad knows that he's got to be home so that we're having family dinner at X, X o'clock. Yeah. I know that busy schedules, but even once or twice a week, is it brings everyone together and then tools are down. You don't have your computer. There's no tablets. There's no phones at the table. We are present. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Because really, truly, mindfulness is only paying attention to what's going on in the moment. Yeah. So present moment and phones and tablets and computers distract us away from it. So all of that away, we eat dinner, we talk like we used to back in the 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s. Um, the second thing is play a board game with the family because board games are uh, inclusive Everyone has got a focus. You've got to stay focused. You're there. It's tanga. You're you're fostering the love that exists in the family, and and there's got a and there's a little bit of banter. There's playfulness going on, and everyone loves it. So you know, board games are really simple too. And then uh, another thing that I ask, um, or perhaps suggest, is sing in the car, so that so that. You, again, it's inclusive, but you got to be. All of these exercises are simple. Uh, you can be that can be done by the whole family, and then like the singing in the car. Like I took my nieces and nephews to go down to see my bro at um, his grave at the cemetery, and we just sang the whole way. And when we got there, we just were in such a great mood. That could have been a sad, really dull, somber yeah. mood. But it was so we were there able to celebrate our brother's life, my brother's life, rather than sit there, woe is me. Mm. Do you know? And um and it was simple and we were present. The guys were the kids were present for the rest of the day as well. Yeah. And uh and so many great things came from that, you know. Yeah, great. Hey, thank you so much for your time. You're you're a bloody star. Um I love Thanks. the work you're doing and, and just continue Thanks. on because it's it, A, you're aligned. B you know, our job is to help create better futures, isn't it? And, uh, and especially because we're lucky to be leaders um, and people want to, want to use us. And, you know, the fact that you're so aligned with what's important and so on a mission of just helping kids is just, I respect it so much. It's um, been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. <laughs> As you can see, I wasn't wrong. He's a very, very, very special man. And, um, you know, we, we really didn't talk about the impact he's having. Like, seriously, I think he has the biggest studio numbers in New Zealand as for his yoga. Um, but more importantly, the kids' work he's doing, he's just having a massive impact on the health. And when I say health, it's that bigger picture, all that stuff that Jason talked about in the interview. Uh, you know, our communities need more people like Jason, and we need to encourage people like him to build what he's building because if we can create healthy tools for our kids and for ourselves the flow-on effect is absolutely massive so i'm going to put a link to where you can follow jason um i'll put his facebook page up there but also more importantly i'll put his links to his uh, yoga website and the kids program that he's doing you can check that out um yeah hopefully you got a lot from that guys if you want to become a patron of this show you can go to bevanjamesisles.com it's all very clear on the website it's just a great way for you to support me and what i'm doing i believe in having conversations like the one i had today which are really helping people love health and fitness for the right reasons and if you want to support me in my philosophy being a patron is a great way to do that what you do is you go to my website you click on patreon and basically you just donate as much or as little as you want to depending on uh, what's right for you and each time I release a show you just donate that much which is basically twice a month so thank you to people who already are the patrons I'm going to rock and roll I'm currently in Bali 
although you won't know that, but well, you do know that because I said at the beginning of the show, but my wife and I are having a three-week holiday, and it's a well-needed holiday, so uh, hopefully I'm enjoying that, but I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I've actually got another interview with another guy I know who's doing some cool work as well on the next episode, so you'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Please spread the word about the show. Um, I really feel I'm doing important work here, uh, not just me, but you know, spreading the word to people who are doing important work, and the more you can help me spread the word about the show, the better. So email it, Facebook it. Just do whatever you can to let people know about the show. Anyway, that's Bevan out for now. My way I finish the show is to say, keep being you.